Meet Brooklyn, New York-based Dan Tall Buildings. Band member Max Capistran shares their journey that includes meeting up in Boston at the Berkeley School of Music, busking on Boston's Newberry Street, moving to Brooklyn, opening a music academy, to becoming a popular sought-after act at many well-known music festivals. Max and fellow band members Sasha Dubik and Avery Bellata, who we met in episode four, take traditional bluegrass music and mix in elements of blues, classical, old time, and jazz to form their unique sound. We have with us today guest Max Capistran, who is one third of the group Dan Tall Building. How's everything going? Pretty good, pretty good. It's raining here in Brooklyn, but we're doing all right, you know? <laughs> all right. And you literally, I mean, just a day or two returned from North Carolina where you shared the stage with an incredible lineup of other Americana artists at Merle Fest. How was that? Uh, it was unbelievable. It was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty cool experience. You know, we've been watching videos on YouTube from like all of the legends playing sets at Merle Fest uh, since we started as a band. Uh, so it was like an honor to be able uh, to get asked to go down and play. And it was even cooler to actually go down and play. Uh, the hills in North Carolina are beautiful. And that festival is crazy. There's like six or seven stages and so many acts and uh, just like a, a big loving atmosphere. So it was a great weekend. That's awesome. I yeah. saw some video clips of you guys playing and I think that they refer, referred to it as the dancing tent. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we played actually two sets. They were back to back, like just an hour in between. And the first one, they were complete opposite. The first set was at the dance tent, which was uh, was crazy. Yeah, people were <laughs> well, and dancing. Yeah, I, I thought it was really appropriate because uh, having seen you live and being a fan of your music, I essentially would ch challenge anybody to be able to sit down while you guys are playing. <laughs> so I thought it was very appropriate. I appreciate that. Uh, we certainly can't sit still, stand still while we're playing it. So uh, we don't blame anybody else. Uh, but yeah, no, the dance town was, it was a wild time. And then right after that, we went and played the Walker Center, which was like kind of way more of a sit down theater. So we kind of flipped the switch from being like, you know, dance party band to like yeah. having to perform in like a, theater where you could hear a pin drop you know oh, wow okay. so it was quite uh the musical challenge but we uh we loved it it was a great time and it seemed to be well received and we uh we met a lot of awesome people down there so right yeah That's it was great awesome. to get to go down yeah um i said uh previously that we've uh we've met avery and had him on a uh, as a guest so uh, we know about his background but uh, what about you and, uh, and Sasha? Where, where did the two of you grow up and how did you happen to meet and that sort of thing? Uh, so I grew up in New Hampshire, right outside of Manchester, the big city. And uh, Sasha grew up right outside of Philadelphia in a little town called Media. Uh, and me and Sasha met uh, because we got caught cheating on a test <laughs> at Berkeley College of Music. Uh, <laughs> We didn't actually cheat. Uh, at least we both swear that we didn't. But uh, our answers for our tests were the same and completely incorrect. So I think it's just some sort of connection that we have that's like on the next level, you know? Oh, that's uh, great. I love that. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got like kind of brought into the teacher's office and everything. And then after that, we were like, you know, I guess we'll be friends. And so uh, we became close friends. And Avery and I also met uh, playing. Uh, we ended up playing on the street a lot in uh, in Boston when we were living there. Yeah. And uh, things were going well. We, we were playing on the street and we always wanted a bass player. Sasha was always hanging around, a great singer. And we were like, you know what? We're going to get you a bass. So uh, one day we went down the street to uh, the music instrument store and we rented her an upright bass. And it's kind of been rock and rolling since. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So growing up in uh, New Hampshire, did you grow up in a, in a house full of music? Did you have other family members that were musicians or what was that exposure like for you? Um, well, so I kind of a mixed bag. My a lot of music at my house. My dad is a huge fan of music. Had has a big record collection that he's given me a, a decent portion of. So I'm very grateful. Uh, but I grew up listening to a lot of like blues and rock and roll. My first concert ever, I think, was a Buddy Guy concert. Okay. Uh, so I was very deep into like blues and rock. Uh, but and nobody plays an instrument as far as my uh, immediate family. I actually just got off the phone with my dad yesterday. And he's like, I'm dying for you to teach me how to play guitar. Because uh, he always wanted to be a rock, a rock star. Uh, right. But um, no, no one, no one really played music. So I just kind of grew up listening to blues and stuff. Uh, and, and that kind of, you know, got me into it. Uh, I, I had a buddy that played guitar uh, and he wanted me to be a drummer for his band and I didn't play any sort of instrument. So I went to my parents and I was like, I want to start a band with this guy. Uh, you got to make, let me learn how to play drums. I want to take drum lessons. Uh, and they were like, absolutely not. Way too loud. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll let you take guitar lessons. And if you do guitar lessons for a few years, we'll let you play drums. Well, they never let me play drums, but I did keep taking guitar lessons. So. Uh, <laughs> This I guess I can say, uh, this was, I think I was like probably around 12, 11. Okay, or wow. Yeah. yeah, you were pretty young then. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great time to, to learn, I think, around sure. 11 or 12. Uh, I, I run a music school here in Brooklyn with uh, yeah. Sasha. Yeah, and, and I want to uh, ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. We, we run this school here and uh, we live in a neighborhood called Crown Heights. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, we run this music school and uh, so, yeah. Teaching is a big part of what we do. And how long has the the school been in existence? And the two of you are the, the co-founders of it, right? Yeah, yeah, we both started it. Uh, the pandemic hit, you know, and we were done playing gigs for a while. Okay. Uh, so we figured we needed something new to do. Uh, we like to be busy people, like always kind of like scheming and coming up with ideas. And that's why being in a band is so much fun because you're always coming up with, with new and exciting stuff. Uh, so while we had to take a break from that, we were like, you know what, let's kind of explore this other thing that we were both very passionate about, uh, which was teaching. And uh, so, yeah, we started this music school and it's been awesome to get involved with our neighborhood here in Brooklyn and okay. get to kind of pass along this uh, musical knowledge. Uh, oh, that's that's what I was tying into before was uh, 11 and 12 years old. That's we teach yeah. this music school. We run this music school now and uh, we found that that is just like an awesome age to get kids pumped up on music. It's a really like creative time. And so I'm very fortunate that that's when I got to like grab the guitar. Okay, I'm yeah. with you. I'm glad I got to come back to yeah. that. Because <laughs> I forgot too, to be honest. Perfect, you know? <laughs> Still waiting for the coffee to hit, you know? <laughs> so did, uh, when you went to uh, Boston to Berkeley, 
was that uh, for your undergraduate or did you, was that more after you went to another school? Uh, for me, I actually, so I was, uh, I finished high school and I had full plans to become a nurse. Uh, my oh. dad is a nurse. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I always loved his sort of lifestyle. He worked three days a week, uh, you know, long shifts, but it was a good deal. And I was like, I, I figured I'll do this nursing thing. Uh, I'll go to school near Boston at this college, Endicott. And I was going uh, to like commute to Boston and try to keep playing shows and performing. Uh, and it was probably about a week before my orientation at the college, like I had given my deposit and everything. Uh, I got asked to be an assistant engineer at uh, for a recording session for a bunch of Berkeley students in Amherst, New Hampshire at this uh, studio called Studio 101A. Uh, and I went over there and had like the most unbelievable time recording with all these Berkeley guys. And they were all like, you should go to Berkeley. I, I like, you seem to love it. Like, I think you would love it. You should go to Berkeley. They got me all pumped up. So I got home from my weekend recording and I told my parents, I was like, I think I need to go to music college. And they were both like, finally, uh, they, that's what they had always wanted. I, very supportive family. So, uh, yeah. so they were like, all right. And so I dropped out of nursing school before I went, uh, lost my initial deposit and uh, auditioned then for Berkeley like a, a few months later and got wow. in and uh, ended up going there. So it was my first college that I attended, but okay. my parents will never let me forget that it was not my first college that I gave a deposit to. <laughs> <laughs> but you, uh, you were involved in uh, youth uh, music and theater prior to that. Absolutely, yeah. So you definitely uh, had some some background and some exposure, and obviously a real um, strong interest and connection to music. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, from like a young age, I, I got involved with this, uh, this school. I grew up in Bedford, New Hampshire. It's called Bedford Youth Performing Company. Uh, and they're a nonprofit that does, they have several branches of things, but uh, they do a lot of music, uh, a lot of theater and arts and everything, and a lot of community outreach. And all of those things kind of had, had like a big impact on like who I am today. Uh, but with them, I was able to start like kind of performing um, in a professional way at a very young age, like in my early teens, uh, like eighth grade, freshman year in high school, uh, I, I had a jazz combo, uh, a little small jazz band put together and we would play like parties and galas and little things all around New Hampshire. So I, I got a big taste of performing and uh, at a young age. And I think that's something that like hit me right then. And that's kind of stuck with me. I, I really love performing and putting on a show and connecting with people in that way. So I definitely had a big, you know, push going into school, uh, going into college, you know, sure. from high school in my younger years. Okay. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're at Berkeley, you're in school, uh, you meet Sasha, you hook up with Avery, you're uh, doing some busking. At what point did, you know, and I know at one time you had, had a fourth member of the, yes. of the band, and uh, which you have three now. But yep. at, at what point did it all kind of come together and you said, uh, hey, I, you know, I think we got this band thing going here. Let's, we've got something. 
Uh, you know, it wasn't even really us that made that decision, uh, which I think was good, because I don't know if we ever would have, you know. Uh, we were kind of just having fun, like, playing on the street. It was me and Avery, and we used to have a, a banjo player, Jordan Allman. Uh, and so it was the, the three of us playing on the street a lot, and we got Sasha to learn the bass and come come on down. We were playing uh, on Newberry Street in Boston, Massachusetts, which is, like, one of the main strips. Uh, and one day, uh, a woman came up to us and was like, I write for this publication, uh, and we'd love to, you know, take some pictures of you, take a video, do a little write-up, and uh, put you in our, like, little publication. And we were like, oh, that's super cool. Absolutely. She was like, what's your band name? And we were like, oh... <laughs> Well, I guess we'll come up with one. And we spent like two or three nights just like all together scheming up ideas. And uh, finally we landed with the uh, damn tall building. So, uh, you know, the band just kind of happened because we had this article, you know, that was going to be written up. Uh, and yeah, so I, that, that was the beginning of the band. And from there, we we're like, we might as well get a gig or two. And it kind of just, you know, naturally moved along, you know? Sure. Yeah. How... how uh important was the experience of busking in the streets of Boston to you developing your act? Definitely. I think uh, a huge, huge importance. I think uh, in developing the act and our sound uh, and like kind of us as people and individually and stuff, uh, you know, our one of our big things is like we, the, the three of us connect a lot together. Uh, and we connect a lot with uh, the audience. And that's something that is not lost on us. We feel those connections deeply and it's very important. I think we learned that uh, from playing music on the street. You know, when you're busking on the street, uh, you have to like kind of work harder to get people's attention and to make those connections. But all of the connections that you make are very natural almost. You know, sometimes if you perform at a festival, uh, there's a lot of people in the audience that maybe aren't into what you're doing or don't know what you're doing or aren't really listening. It's just not the right place. Whereas like people walking on the street, if they're in that mindset and they're not into what you're doing, they're just going to keep walking. So everyone that stops and really listens, you really have like their attention and that connection. And I think that's something that we learned to love and to thrive on and to like really, really shoot for during our live performance. We work really hard during our live performance to try to develop an instant sort of like bond between us in the audience and uh, definitely can credit busting for that. Yeah, I, I, I totally uh, um, can attest to that. You definitely make a, a great uh, connection. Um, for, our, for our listeners that are hearing you and will be hearing your uh, music for the first time, how, how would you describe your sound? Oh man, that's always such a tricky question. And oh, we, uh, we are open to feedback from everybody. Uh, we, you know, our sound is constantly uh, kind of developing, but I would say that at its core, uh, it started as bluegrass and it, bluegrass remains at the core, especially sure. with our instrumentation and we love playing traditional bluegrass songs and all of that sort of like beginning of our musical journey together as a band is rooted in pretty traditional bluegrass and developing our idea of bluegrass as a band and learning more about the genre and the history. So that's kind of like the bedrock. Uh, but from there, you know, 
we all have our personal influences. Uh, blues for me, Avery grew up in Montana and I, you know, jazz, classical, old time music, all sorts of stuff. And, and Sasha grew up kind of more in a, a jazz musical theater background. So all of that sort of plays into our sound and adds to like the playfulness uh, uh, of it. But um, I would say like it's, at its root bluegrass uh and then from there we add a little rock and roll and maybe yeah. that that's what we call it yeah. <laughs> bluegrass meets rock and roll <laughs> i like it i like it it works yeah. <laughs> and max are you primarily the the main uh songwriter in, in the group or do you, do you uh, share those responsibilities with the other members uh, we are beginning to do more more of that. I, uh, I especially for our first couple of records, I wrote uh, most of the tunes. Uh, Avery wrote a, a one or two really really beautiful songs. Uh, Jordan uh, and I wrote co-wrote a song, and uh, but for the most part, I had written most of the material. Uh, but moving on to this new record uh, that we are currently working on, finishing up right now. Uh, there is a more of a shared responsibility for songwriting. So we have a couple co-writes with the three of us as a band. Uh, Sasha has her first song or two on the album. Uh, nice. Avery's got a, another song on the album. So I'm excited to be more in that uh, collaborative mindset. But historically, like I kind of put these songs together, uh, just the very rough, uh, you know, rough versions of the songs and then right. bring them to the band and the band really helps develop the sound and create it into you know what most people hear sure so when can we expect the new album oh that's a big question i think <laughs> september is our goal uh that that's our that's our goal so we're we're working on putting a bunch of stuff together uh i think we're putting together a kickstarter campaign but this album's going to be a little different we recorded this one completely on our own uh, we bought some professional recording equipment and decided to kind of take on that endeavor. So it was a really cool, different creative process that I'm really excited for people to uh, get to listen to. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The last couple of years, obviously, like for most musicians, have been pretty challenging in terms of um, how to deal with it, um, revenue streams being uh, dried up and that sort of thing. And you mentioned that you uh, started your your school, your music academy. What was some of the other um, impacts to you individually and, and as a group? Uh, you know, so many things. And, and it's such a weird thing because obviously a huge portion of it was, was tough. It was difficult. You know, the loss of our livelihood and, you know, the whole everyone struggling, you know, with this, people getting sick and everything. And so that, that was really difficult. You know, and the social isolation being people that we, you know, we thrive on connecting with folks at our performances. And so that was that was definitely a, a difficult thing. But, you know, with that, there's also some positive things. And, uh, you know, we all got to take a little step back from this project, Damn Tall Buildings, that we'd been so glued to and so focused on for so long. And so we had this time period where we you know, spent a little less time together uh, and got to kind of explore our own sort of things. And Avery started a rock band called the Alice Valentine. And Sasha has been painting up a storm uh, and writing her own material and stuff. And I, I'm a big surfer. So I've been, I was surfing that, that whole time. So we kind of all got to take this time to explore who we are and who we are outside of this band and project that has been like the focal point of all of our lives for so long. Okay. Uh, and that was a great 
thing for us all to be able to do and really to like find come and do ourselves as like adults and everything and then getting to reconnect you know about a year ago uh and start playing again and then eventually start performing again we kind of all got back into it on you know sturdier ground uh and I, i think it's allowed us to really like jump into the creative process uh, and connect together as a band stronger than we've maybe ever been able to connect. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. It does. Yeah. So is it true that Sasha really did buy a lot of pairs of shoes? <laughs> Man, I would show you my closet right now if we weren't plugged into a desktop. <laughs> but it would have to be three closets. Yeah, there are so many pairs of shoes. And I tell you what, just because the pandemic's over, the shoes don't stop. They keep coming in. <laughs> but you will say she's got cool shoes. So, you know. <laughs> you you mentioned uh, surfing. And uh, you actually, you surf in New York at Rockaway Beach. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had no idea that people uh, surfed in, in New York until I, until I looked into it a little bit more. And that's amazing. Man, I didn't know either. I moved here, you know, five years ago and I was on the train one day and I was like, does that guy have a surfboard? And I went up, I was like, where are you going? He's like, Rockaway Beach. And I was like, no way. So I had my parents bring my surfboard down next time. And yeah, I I had no idea either, but it's incredible. And and, uh, it's, you know, it's people will think like, oh, beach in New York City, what's up with that? Like, you see whales dolphins i yeah. saw a shark once like it's yeah. uh it's pretty pretty wild out there so yeah, yeah. i know new york is filled with surprises man <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought who would have thought I, yeah. certainly not i man <laughs> well um you you know we mentioned uh getting back on the road and obviously you just got back from uh, merle fest which was uh, an awesome opportunity for you and I know you've got uh, some other really uh, big gigs lined up and some other festivals. I know uh, coming up soon, you're going to be at the John Hartford Memorial Festival, uh, yeah. which will be another uh, um, amazing opportunity. Um, so my question is, how how does that come together with when you know you you go to uh, to Merle Fest? You'll be uh, uh, you're been invited or have agreed to play at the John Hartford. Do you reach out to the festivals? Do the festivals reach out to you? Or a little bit of both? How, how does that all come together? So it's a it's a little bit of both. Uh, and it's also it's part mystery to me because we have a booking agent. So sometimes I don't know how things have kind of manifested. I just say, okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a big part of uh, this has been, and especially our recent growth as we started attending these music conferences uh, uh, to name a few, there's one called Folk Alliance International. Yes. Uh, then there's IBMA International Bluegrass Music Association. They have uh, a gathering each year. Um, and there's a couple, uh, APAP, which is a, a performing arts gathering here in, uh, in, in Manhattan, actually. And so basically what you do is you apply for these conferences. You got to you know, pay a little bit of money and you go and you play showcases. So you'll play for like five, ten minutes. Uh, four or five songs or whatever in front of, uh, it depends where you are. So with IBMA, uh, the the bluegrass one, you, you play down in Raleigh, North Carolina, and some big, beautiful rooms in a hotel uh, or at like a venue uh, in town. Uh, and then there's Folk Alliance International, 
which is is held all over the place. Uh, we've gone to the one up in Montreal and one down in New Orleans. And you kind of play, there's a few official showcases that you play in a normal room in a hotel, just like IBMA. But most of the business goes down between around 10 p.m. and four in the morning, where there's like three or four levels of hotel rooms all turned into little tiny music venues where you play little showcase sets and as many as you can throughout the whole night and talent buyers, the people that book for festivals and all that sort of stuff, come and sit in those rooms and you have to kind of like wow their socks off in like sure. five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say a good portion of our festivals and stuff have uh, happened from, you know, people seeing us play these little showcases, being interested and then and then reaching out. Uh, and that's that's been the growth that I've I've seen work the fastest so okay. far. Okay. Uh, that's that's yeah. interesting. I'm I'm glad you you shared that with us. So while while we're on the the subject of uh, music festivals, um, I wanted to to ask you. I'm gonna I'm gonna run s some names of some artists by you, and I'm gonna ask you what you think that they might all have in common. Okay. Allison Krauss, Dr. Merle Watson. John Hartford, New Grass Revival, Tommy Emmanuel, Billy Strings, Norman Blake, and Molly Tuttle, just to name a few. Uh, they all are, I would say, industry disruptors. Uh, I, I would say that what all of them have in common is all of them have been and continue to be fresh takes on the genre like new uh, adaptions of bluegrass, pushing the genre further and further forward. I would say almost chronologically how you went through that. Maybe not chronologically. No, it wasn't chronological. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but all of those folks, I think, were people that like kind of changed the genre in a way, especially Billy Strings is completely changing the bluegrass genre and he's turning into something it's never been. Yeah. Molly Tuttle is changing the bluegrass genre and that's like currently, but John Hartford is a great example. That guy like impacted this music so strongly. Alison Krauss, all these people, you know, Doc Watson. So uh, I would say, yeah, uh, when, when you say all those names, I think like people that, that change this for the good. Okay, well, all of those people that I just mentioned were also headliners. Walnut Valley Music Festival. Ah, no way! Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta tell our listeners that this group, Damn Tall Buildings, closed out Winfield Stage One Saturday night. Man, that was that was an honor. <laughs> That was a crazy, crazy honor. I, I'm, I'm honored to be even remotely associated with that list. I tell you, <laughs> yeah. And I'm honored to go back. We're going back to Winfield this year. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Are you going to be there? I will. Yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, that's great. Now, I, I do. Uh, I, I try to make a habit when I, when I have these interviews. Is I, I think it's interesting to uh, ask guests about some of the best advice that maybe that they've received over the years. And sometimes that best advice is advice that you would offer to others. But it kind of falls under the category of lessons learned, best advice received. What, what would be something that would come to mind that would be interesting to share? 
instantly one specific thing comes to mind. Um, it's a little bit of a story, but when I, when I was a kid, uh, probably like in middle school, no, nah, maybe it was like early high school, I went to, to see a concert. Uh, I believe it was like Dispatch or something. And they had, a, or some guy from the band Dispatch, and they had an opening band called the Old Silver Band. And I was blown away by their show. And after their show, they were the opening band. They were outside, like on the deck, like sitting in rocking chairs, smoking cigarettes, talking about the set. And I had just like walked outside and they all looked so cool. They were all like chilling out. And I was like, these guys are the coolest people ever. They just killed that set. They're out here hanging out. Like, I want to be like these guys, right? So fast forward, probably like maybe 10 years later, I'm like in my not 10 years, maybe five years. I'm in my early 20s. Uh, Tall Buildings has one of our first like actual concerts at a real venue, Club Church. In uh, It used to be Club Church in Boston, Massachusetts. It's closed now. But so we're playing there. One of the opening bands is a guy that I'm, I'm not sure I, I recognize the name. He's opening right after us. We're opening for like a bigger band, whatever. It's a whole lineup. Uh, and while they're doing their sound check, the guy says, we used to be in a band called the Old Silver Band. And I was like, no way. So they come down and I immediately go up to the mandolin player, mandolin player whose name is Matt Benninghoff. And I was like, you're not going to believe it. I saw you like five years ago and you totally like changed my life. And now I'm playing with you. And this is like the coolest thing ever. And so he was totally cool. And he ended up talking to me for like probably an hour and he gave me like some awesome advice and this is this guy's like kind of like my hero at this point you know and he was just like listen uh you know the best times that you will ever have as a band are what you're doing now and what you'll do in the next couple years as you get bigger things will be cool and they're what you think you've always wanted and they might be but these times now are the best that you're ever going to have and slow down. Do not rush anything. Take it slow. And that, you know, doesn't seem like any crazy advice, but that conversation has stuck with me. It stuck with our band and we're almost 10 years into doing this now and things are now starting to kind of like move and pick up, but it has taken that mindset sure. of Take our time, enjoy all of the moments. Don't just like fly by any of this to try to get to some sort of goal you think you want. Yeah. Take it one day at a time. And we have had that as a band and it has completely allowed us to stay together as a band, keep enjoying what we're doing and like really enjoy it, you know, really yeah. love what we do. So that advice changed me. So if anyone's listening and is in a band or a musician, Take your time, enjoy what you're doing, and it will continue to grow, you know, so, yeah. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. It's yeah. simple, but, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah, great. it, it works. <laughs> I like it. Thanks, Max. Yeah. So we're going to uh, close out, and uh, we'd like to do that, play a song by uh, Damn Tall Buildings. Do you have a song in mind that you'd like to introduce? Yeah, I do. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball in a mix. This is a tune that we don't really play that often, uh, but I would like to bring back out. I uh, I wrote most of the song, and then uh, 
couldn't write the third verse, and Avery uh, ended up coming up with a third verse and finishing it up, and then he ended up singing the song on the record. Uh, and I would, I would love to uh, send off with that one. It's a tune called Lovin' or Leavin' off of our most recent record, Don't Look Down. Awesome. We'll close with that. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. Lovin' or leavin' got me feeling about the same Well, I just get you down, ain't it a shame, shame, shame Thanks for listening to this episode of Music Trails. Thank you to our guest, Max Capistran. You can find more information on Damn Tall Buildings by visiting their website, www.damntallbuildings.com. You can also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm your host, Mark LaFon. If you like what you hear, subscribe today and tell a friend. Change, change.